Hey everyone, have you ever thought the clutter in your head and heart makes as much or more difference as the clutter on the desk or in your desk drawer? Well, it does. Today, we're diving into the fascinating topic of organizing, not just our physical spaces, but also our mental, spiritual, and emotional spaces. Our guest is Sarah Skillen. Sarah is a certified organizer life coach. She's an author, a speaker, and the founder of Skillset Coaching. Sarah brings a wealth of experience and has recently embarked on a new journey as an interfaith spiritual director. And we're going to learn how staying organized and spiritual health go hand in hand. This conversation will be insightful and thought-provoking. So if you're looking to create a solution to your real-life order, or if you want to just expand your mind about how the stuff behind the stuff affects our lives, you found the place. Let's start a conversation, shall we? Oh, <laughs> we got to talk about that. Life is going to get messy. If we're going down, put your mask on first before you can help anyone else. As we feel more established, we do start to look around and, and ask these kinds of questions. Welcome to Unconditionally Her Conversations, a podcast for women that sets the stage to spark inspiration, create change, and unite women from all walks of life. I'm your host, Karen Shane. This podcast shares that when we truly come together in sisterhood, we form a symphony of profound voices that have the power to transform each other's lives. So whether you're in search for motivation to chase your dreams or seeking wisdom to navigate life's twists and turns, or just simply yearning to connect with some kindred spirits, well, you've found the place. Come along on this empowering journey as we explore captivating stories, conquer daunting challenges, and revel in the inspiring triumphs that shape the landscape of women's lives. Are you ready? Here we go. Sarah, it is so nice to have you here today. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. Let's start by simply understanding the terminology of what holistic coaching is. As I've mentioned to you, I think, um, in the past, and I know I've explained to some other folks who are curious about it, I don't believe it's an industry term, but it's what I have come up with to describe the way I like working with my clients. It sort of goes along with my phrase of it's never just about the stuff, it's about the stuff behind the stuff. And so when we're talking about holistic life order, holistic time, holistic organizing, we're talking about the whole person, not just what their closet looks like, not just whether or not they're getting out the door on time in the morning. We're, we're taking a look at their whole life, their whole set of beliefs and values, and strengths, and all the things they bring to the table and how we can put those things together to create systems that suit them uniquely. Well, I'm, I've known you for many years, but this is a bit new in your life. I have always known you as a home organizer in the professional sense. But you went from organizing to coach. Now you mostly coach to also being a spiritual director. I want you to talk to me about that evolution of your career and what led you here. Yeah, that's a great question. And to your point that you knew me as a home organizer, I think most people only see that aspect of me at first. But I will say that my philosophy, I think, has always been the same underneath that home organizer 
persona, so to speak, that I have always believed that it was never just about helping someone get their spaces in order, although I think that's really, really important for a variety of reasons. But behind that, I have always wanted to look at the whole person, always wanted to see what kinds of things are going on, you know, behind the curtain, if you will, what's going on with them, what's going on in their life, impacting their ability to be organized or to stay organized. Is it as simple as they moved into a new house and they're a little overwhelmed and they have small children? Or is there something else at work here? Is there um, neurodivergence going on? Is there anxiety? Is there depression? Is there grief? All of these things make a difference in how we approach organization. So I think that was always in the back of my mind when I started doing the home organizing. And I know that was sort of how I led, particularly when you and I first met. And that was sort of the easiest thing for people to put their heads around and understand. So for instance, when I was speaking at Survivorville, it was a lot easier to talk about how to organize your junk drawer, right? It was easier to to get it into something that people could get their hands on and, and start to understand and relate to. But then once people get to that point where they understand, I think there's just so much more to the story about who they are and what their life is like. So I think this happened, this evolution in terms of sort of bringing forward my philosophy in a more overt way, that just happened very organically. I knew early on that I didn't want to just organize spaces. I wanted people to be able to maintain them. And that is what led me to the coach training because the coaching is a very powerful way of helping people to have some sustainable systems for themselves, some sustainable routines, some ways to make it stick, so to speak. And so that's how the coaching came into it. It it worked so beautifully. I would use the coaching techniques in home organizing sessions. And then gradually people were asking for the standalone coaching. And then as I have shared with you over COVID, it was just so much easier to shift into full coaching because that was a way to do things virtually in, a, in an easy way. And then the piece around the spiritual direction that was also always a part of me. The spiritual life and the inner work, that has always been something I've been deeply engaged with on a personal level. And I just felt like in the past couple of years, maybe as I matured, that it felt right to start to integrate that with this holistic idea of holistic order. It made more sense to, for me to start bringing in what does it mean to be on this planet? And what does it mean for individuals to, you know, what are their individual ideas about? And I'm starting to see those connections being made and seeing it come to fruition. And it's pretty exciting. Have you always had a deep spiritual curiosity? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was raised in a church environment in the South. I grew up in Huntsville, Alabama, and I was raised in the United Methodist Church. It was a very welcoming, understanding place. It was a little different, I think, than, than some of my friends' church experiences, but it was it was very much a home to me in a variety of ways, socially, musically, spiritually. I always knew that when I went to church, I just felt more grounded. I just felt mm. better. And over the years, that just branched out in a lot of different ways. It branched out in a lot of different spiritual practices. When I was a young adult, I started meditating became very interested in meditation, found that to be profoundly impactful. I began studying dreams probably in my late 20s, early 30s, 
and started looking at the spiritual connection between how we dream and what that might mean for us. And just over the years, doing a lot of reading and eventually discovering the spiritual direction program that the training that I went through starting in 2020. Did I start that in 21, 21 or 22, somewhere in there? <laughs> All those years are a blur now. There was two years in life that were a complete blur to people. Well, I know I finished just this past March. So whatever two years prior to that would be, I had attended a conference that uh, had been put on by that particular training program and was just blown away with all the different ways to approach it. We talk about Myers-Briggs. We talk about Enneagram. We talk about dreams. Uh, we talk about Jungian depth psychology. We talk about Celtic spirituality, just a wide variety of things. And so, yeah, it has always been a very important part. Do you think spirituality means something different to you as it does to the average person now after going through your training? I am finding a lot of people who have a natural curiosity to find some meaning beyond their traditional church setting. Not that they would necessarily let go of that, but sort of, I feel like church is sort of the outward communal expression, but then there's this inner part right? that I think people are much more curious about and experimenting with and asking questions about. I love that. And I love that because I feel when I grew up, I had my set rules for the church. They were Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night study, and everything fit in a box. And kind of your life revolved around an actual building and about going into the building and listening to the people inside the building. And Growing up in the South, weren't allowed to think outside those walls of the church. And now I love this more holistic and spiritual approach where it's not just about the building, it's about who we are. And I think for those of us who are of a certain age, we're kind of loving this opportunity of discovering more of the science and more of the dreams, the settings. Do you see that now that church has kind of taken on a different role and that a lot of the stuff is about us internally? I think it's gradual. I think it's turning for a lot of folk people. I don't necessarily think it's turning for everyone. I'm hopeful. But you're right. There's that box. And I don't know how in the world you put the divine in a box. How do you do that? Uh, how do you, wow, what a statement. How do, you, how do you put the creator in a box? Uh, and put a stamp on it, that just feels very, very, I don't know, short-sighted to me. And I think that's what people are starting to get curious about, if they can have a safe space to explore. And that's what spiritual direction is about. Did you at first think or believe that coaching and the spiritual curiosity that you had, did you believe it needed to be separate at first? I don't know if I thought about that in terms of a belief. I think it just was separate. You know, my coach training was organizing and time management. Spirituality was not mentioned overtly, but I do believe that if you're going to coach the whole person, if you're going to coach who they are, their spirituality is often a big part of who they are. And those connections started getting made for me on a gradual basis. Did I separate it in my mind? I think I felt it being separate. Mm -hmm. and, and didn't want it to be. When I started the program, the training program for spiritual direction, I didn't know where it was going to go. 
I had no clue if it was going to start to connect. And I was just delighted to find out that in many ways it is connecting. And I was just open to seeing where it took me. Well, let's talk about the type of training that you had. I'm, I'm very curious. It was through the Hayden Institute based in Western North Carolina. I learned about it through being a member of a dream group at my church for many, many years that another graduate of the Hayden Institute actually started that dream group and facilitated it. And many of us got together and worked on dreams together and talked about how the divine might be speaking to us through that. And I think I mentioned earlier that I attended one of their summer conferences where we learned all of these things. I was very interested in the Enneagrams. That particular conference had an emphasis on the Enneagram, so I was just eating that up. Uh, found connection with a lot of people who were very like-minded and realized oh, there are other people who have these same kinds of questions. And it was a wonderful environment to ask those questions in. And I knew that at some point I wanted to start the training. And, you know, then there was a pandemic and felt like I was going to have a lot of time to do the work. It was interesting. I didn't have end up having as much time as I thought I was going to. But the training was very intense. We had to do a tremendous amount of reading. You can see the stack of books behind me. A lot of that is the reading that I had to do. And there's another stack of books over here. We had to do a lot of reading on all types of spirituality, all different kinds of faiths. We attended intensives three times a year, which would take place over a long weekend where we attended lectures and met as small groups. We had to do book reflections and reports. We had to engage in poetry and art, just all kinds of different ways of embodying creativity in a spiritual way. And we had a cohort. We all had cohorts. Mine was a group of nine of us who met monthly as well to talk about our experiences and share and, and ask our questions. We had a mentor who led us through the process. You've always said in home organizing that your inner self contributes to your outer order. But how does this work in practice? Well, I think that story is still being written. I can say that I've had a few clients curious about spiritual direction. So we have sort of shifted from pure coaching over to a spiritual direction process. I want to meet the client where they are. And I I love coaching. I still love to do organizing once in a while too. I mean, I still, ever so often, if I have a coaching client that says, gee, could you come over and help me out with my pantry? <laughs> I'm still open because I think, you know, we're sort of hitting on all the areas. But if a client has been with me in coaching for a while and then they're curious about the bigger questions, I think the way I'm seeing it start to play out is when you begin to explore who you are, whether you consider yourself a child of the creator or, you know, whatever that relationship is, when you start to explore that and look at it through the lens of what are the messages I'm being given? What are the things I'm noticing? You can start to understand that at our core, at our soul level, we're all okay. There's that old kind of silly phrase, you know, God don't make no mistakes. Well, I mean, I think that if you take that into a more holistic, to use that word again, way of thinking, I do think that at a soul level, when we get to know ourselves at that soul level, we begin to become comfortable with ourselves, right? We begin to understand that we are okay mm -hmm. and that we can make choices 
And when people start to feel more comfortable with who they actually are and who they were made to be, I think it opens up bandwidth for them to consider how they want to organize their life. I don't know if that's making any sense, but that's kind of the way I'm seeing it play out. When people start to understand that they have a place, they're meant to be, they may have challenges. Certainly we all have challenges, but at their core self, there is this timelessness, I guess, this this way of being that we can rest in and we can take some comfort in that and and start to, I think what, what I see too is that it starts to take away a lot of that shame, a lot of that self-criticism, a lot of that blaming, a lot of that, oh, I should have done it this way, I should have done it that way. When those things can start to fall away a little bit, then that opens up possibility that opens up different ways of looking at things that opens up the opportunity to say I can organize this the way I need it to be or I can set up my schedule the way I need it to be set up not the way some expert told me to set it up but the way I know at my core level I need for it to be set up nobody does this perfectly myself included I mean we're it's we're still all on the journey but I think that's way, the way I'm starting to see it play out and I'm hoping that I'm on the right track. Do you think age is a factor? Because I know that right now where I am, I am actually starting to see what you are teaching more. I am starting to Mm -hmm. open my eyes. I'm starting to branch out into more areas that I'm curious about. That doesn't change my faith, but there's something that happens on the inside and I'm, I'm going through it, and it's changing my outward ways. I still have my bumps and bobbles along the way, and I still have some um, things, obviously, I need to work on because, you know, God didn't make any junk, but <laughs> he didn't make us human. Right. But I wish everyone could feel what we're talking about and actually go to that place. And I don't know if it's an age thing because when we're younger, we're real busy, and it's just easier to fit everything in a box. And then maybe as we get older, we kind of change and we're able to see life a little bit different. And I'm seeing it reflected in the things that I do. Have you found that it was challenging to integrate holistic coaching and organization with different age groups you've worked with? I would say that it's very individual. I do think that it's more common as people get to midlife that they feel more comfortable looking around and saying, wait a minute, there's there's something more here than just having the mortgage and the children and the responsibilities and the career and all those. Those things are important. Those are things that often are established earlier in life. And that goes right along with ideas in Jungian psychology that, you know, the first half of life is dedicated to creating our family, having our careers. And then as we feel more established, we do start to look around and and ask these kinds of questions. And it's often a time where people are freer to be able to do that kind of exploration as their children grow or as their career sort of settles, or maybe they even look towards retirement. I think it's natural to have a little more opportunity, but I have clients of all ages, adults. I've had a client recently uh, in their early 30s who is starting to ask these questions. I've had clients in their 60s, early 70s who never ask these questions. I think Mm. depending upon life circumstances, it, it may or may not be something that crosses their mind. 
I know that my questions probably started late 30s. Yeah. Late 30s. And I had my kids a little later, so my kids were still pretty young. Uh, But I think it could happen at any time, for sure. You define yourself professionally as a spiritual director, and I want to talk about what that means. Well, it's actually kind of a misnomer. There's no direction to it. It's actually much more one of the early books we had to read for the training. The author talks about spiritual direction being what she described as midwifery of the soul. So, for example, a midwife doesn't carry and deliver the baby. Midwife is present when the baby is being born. The midwife supports and coaches, cheerleads. And so... I think that's really one of the most concise ways of thinking of it is we we hold space and we we stand with the person as they're wrestling with their questions. And we might offer some resources or some thoughts or some poetry or reading or examination of dreams. We offer different things to the person who's seeking spiritual direction, but those things are offered lightly without attachment. And that's actually pretty similar to coaching too. Mm-hmm. If someone grabs onto it and and it resonates for them, that's fantastic. If it doesn't, then we let it go and we move on. So spiritual direction is really being that witness, being in some cases, some people call it being a soul friend to the person who is going through this process of exploration and asking questions. Do you think people miss out when they are not in a more spiritual place? Hmm. I don't know if that's for me to say. I just I, I just feel like it is, especially when, again, we're not in that box. And I keep talking about the box, but only because I'm in my mid-50s and that's how I grew up. And I just wish I knew then what I know now and that I was more curious yeah. then. So I just feel like I kind of missed out and I often wonder what would have been different in my life had I been in a more, not a religious space, but a spiritual place. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I was trying to think how I feel when I look back. I guess I've sort of come to feel, at least for myself, maybe I wouldn't have been ready. I know I wouldn't have been ready for training earlier than when I took it. So I, I guess everybody's sort of on their own path. And I'm grateful. I think for me, absolutely. I don't know what my life would be without my spiritual work, the the work that I do for myself. I, yeah, I definitely feel like I would be missing out on a lot. And I think it would impact how I approach what I do and why I do it, how I approach my decision-making. Now that I say that I'm remembering, and I think I've probably shared this phrase with you long ago, and it's not uh, a phrase I invented, but there's that organizing idea that all clutter is the result of postponed decision, which resonates for so many people when they hear that. And I think that for me, the spiritual piece really helps support decision-making and helps me to feel, if not 100% confident, at least I feel like I'm making it from my place of being who I am. And who I am is going to be flawed sometimes, but at least I'm listening. I believe in my heart that if we just slow down for a second and we're able to assess where we are and we're able to breathe a little bit 
And that's hard when you're younger because you're trying to make that mortgage and trying to pay the bills, you're trying to get kids out of school and where's that shoe. But I, I really wish people could slow down and just take a minute and not look at spirituality as just basically a religion, but that you look at it as a whole. If, if I called you tomorrow and said, okay, Sarah, I have some challenges and I want to meet with you and I want to become part of this program. Talk to me about what that looks like. Well, I would want to ask you actually a lot of questions. Like what bringing you to me? I'd want to know where you were coming from, first of all. And I would want to ask, what are the challenges? What's going on with you? I'm asking them a lot of questions on the front end. I think until they're given an opportunity to formulate their answers out loud, there's just this swirling mess in their head. Of they just know something doesn't feel right, or they know that maybe their life feels chaotic, or maybe their life feels very untethered, or maybe their life feels like there are way more questions than there are answers. But until they have an opportunity to speak that out loud, it's very intangible. Mm. And so once we get to speaking about it and they know that they that it's an okay place to share some of these things and to share imperfectly. So I think you would not necessarily hear, okay, Karen, here's how it works. First we do this and next we do that. It's not like a, a sequential linear process necessarily. I mean, coaching has a format and has a structure to it that really works. And at the same time, it is flexible. If we're looking at it from the coaching perspective, I talk about how it's a partnership, that I'm not telling somebody what to do, that we're sort of working together and experimenting with things and testing things out and, and looking at the person's values and looking at their strengths and seeing how we can leverage those things in different ways. That appeals to most people. I think sometimes, and this is becoming less common, if anybody goes to visit my website, they I think they quickly understand how to self-select. If they're looking for somebody to tell them what to do, they know that I'm not the person. And so the people who come to me usually have a sense that they want to make decisions. They want to be able to create their life order. They want to be able to feel safe exploring their spirituality. To go back to your analogy, not to have someone put them in yet another box. What do you think are the most misconceptions about holistic coaching? The word coaching is tossed around pretty loosely. Literally anyone can hang out a shingle and call themselves a coach. Mm -hmm. And so many people, and I think fortunately that people are getting better educated. They're, they're starting to understand more about it. But there are people out there in the world who basically give advice or consult. And that is fine. Sometimes people really do need advice. They need mentoring or they need um, expert wisdom. But that's not truly what coaching is about. Coaching is about making space for the client. Like I said, if people look at my website, they I think they understand that that's not where we're going to be going. Ever so often, I would have somebody meet with me for a couple of sessions and get very frustrated because I wasn't giving them a set of instructions. They wanted to be fixed. Yeah, that's a great way to say it because I'm not here to fix my clients. I mean, from my coach training, I know that my clients are naturally creative, resourceful, and whole, but they need a place to be able to, instead of trying to fit themselves into somebody else's system, they need to figure out how to take the systems and fit them to the way they move through life. 
And that's so much more powerful. It may take a little longer on the front end, but it's going to stick a lot longer on the back end in my observation. I think that's been proven out, you know, because there are people who will go from expert to expert to expert where they'll read books or they'll watch YouTube videos or they'll, you know, they'll go running around trying to find all these solutions, all these answers. And often none of those are long lasting. Right. Because it's not customized to who they are. There's nothing wrong with those systems, but we take what they have to share and then we see how we can tweak it, right? You know, you're saying this and I have to ask this because one of your most hated words is the word hack. Well, uh, hate is a strong word. I strongly dislike the word because, I mean, if you ever looked that word up in the dictionary, it, it's not a very attractive term, generally speaking, right? If you hack something, you're like, you're cutting it off in a very rough and rude way. Or um, if someone is a hack, they are someone who is maybe boring and doesn't know what they're talking about. I mean, it has a lot of very negative connotations. So maybe that's coming into my perception of it. But when I hear people talking about their tips and their tricks, to me, what that sort of feels like is trying to outsmart reality. Mm. Like if I just have some sort of a trick up my sleeve, I won't really have to take a hard look at what's true. Mm. I won't have to take a hard look at the way things are and my my ownership of how things got to be the way they are. And that's hard. That's painful for a lot of people to look at a disorganized life and own what caused it. But it's that discomfort. Mm. If you try to circumvent that discomfort, I think there's a lot of missed opportunity. And to me, that's what a hack tries to do. And maybe other people might have other definitions of it. But to me, if you're trying to hack your life, I don't know, that just sounds so... Disingenuous, it feels like, yeah. It's like you're missing out on the opportunity to go deeper. Maybe that's what it is. A hack to me feels very surface level. I feel in my heart that we are such an instant gratification style society. And we're not giving the time to think anymore. We've got everything from Google to AI that we can go find those, quote, hacks um, to just make the situation better. But we're missing the whole point of life. We're missing that whole point of the inner self, which creates the chaos outside. And again, it's not about do you make your bed in the morning or is your pantry put together? But those things are reflections of your inner self and where you are in your life. But I, I want to ask, how has this journey for you, where you are today, changed your life? I do think that, even though it might not be apparent externally all the time, I do think I move through life slower, slower internally. You were talking earlier about being able to take a pause, being able to because that's so powerful. That's actually something we talk about a lot in coaching is how do you stop and pause and consider and then decide on your direction, what way you want to go, as opposed to impulsively moving forward. People think that by slowing down, they're going to lose or waste time when actually in the long run, it saves so much time to pause and to slow down. 
and to consider and to really take in life as it is with all of the the beauty and all of the mess to take it in really where it is right now. It's like you said, with all the instant gratification, all the distraction, frankly, all of the noise, all of the social media, all of that stuff. I think what my journey is leading me towards, and it's certainly not over, is considering things in a more, I don't know if slow is even the right word. Is it a slower way or is it just a more presence is what I think I'm, I'm getting to here. Because in order to have some presence, you do have to slow down. Tell me one of your most favorite and cherished successes of working with one of your clients as you have led them down this path you have previously taken. That's hard. I find such delight in the progress of all of my clients. It can be just some tiny little shift that suddenly sends the little snowball down the hill and it starts gaining speed and it starts getting bigger and bigger. Those are exciting moments to witness. And I, I see that happen with so many people. And then other people have bigger, more overt kinds of shifts. Um, you know, and I have to be careful too about confidentiality, but I would say that my favorite moments are when maybe we've worked together for a few months and, and we've coached, or maybe we've done a little organizing too, or maybe we've thrown in a little bit of the spirituality. Again, that piece is still evolving, but maybe we've worked together and they have done what I call graduate. They've, they've gotten to the point where they're like, okay, I think I can try this stuff on my own. I think I can handle it. And we always agree that I will check back in with them or they can check back in with me just to kind of, you know, learn the rest of the story. And my favorite experiences are when I check in and people say something like, you know, my space got out of whack again, but guess what I did? Mm. I fixed it. Yeah. You know, or my, my schedule got crazy and a lot of life stuff got in the way. But I paused and I was able to handle it and I knew I could. I'm kind of getting choked up. My favorite thing is when somebody can recognize you're not always going to have a beautiful pantry. You're not always going to have a perfect schedule. Life is going to get messy. There's going to be highs and lows. But how do you weather the challenges? And how do you feel about how you weather the challenges? When people are feeling like they can trust themselves, oh, that's like the best thing ever. That's such a gift. I think, Sarah, you are the gift. You truly are. <laughs> Just from knowing you as long as I have, I have always appreciated what you have done. But now I have to say, I truly thank you for being who you are. And I thank you for educating us on this profession and that this organization that you've created about how you approach things, how you believe in people, how you live and breathe. You are an inspiration. And I need to thank you for everything that you have done. And I don't know what the future holds, but I think it's very positive for you at this point. And I'm, uh, I mean, bless you, friend. I mean, bless you. You know, speaking of blessing, you were there very close to the beginning and you gave me some amazing opportunities to be able to speak and, and share with your audience. And 
I'm just so honored that you invited me to come back again. I'm thrilled to see what you're doing and what you're creating in the world. So thank you. We're going to include all the information in the show notes below. But again, thank you, Sarah Skillen, for dedicating your time to this incredible profession. You're going to help a lot of people in the future. Thank you, Karen. I appreciate it so much. We hope this episode has inspired you to embark on your own path of integrating inner spirituality into outward organizing. As always, if you have questions or you want to share your experiences, please reach out to us. And for more information about Sarah, visit her at her website, skillsetcoaching.com. Want more inspirational articles and stories, or maybe even a recipe or two for the fam? Head on over to unconditionallyher.com and just say hi. Until next time, ladies, be blessed, be inspired, be empowered, and always be unconditionally used.